again to be with you all uh, here at Mount Carmel. Uh, as Trevor said, I've had the privilege of knowing him for a few years now, and I've heard good things uh, from Trevor about you all, so I'm uh, greatly excited um, to be here um, this evening. Uh, I want to bring you greetings from my church, First Baptist Mount Washington. They send your, uh, their love to you all. And also want to bring you greetings from Clare Creek Baptist Bible College. Um, you all are, have partnered with the KBC. And since you're all, through your all's partnership, that supports Clare Creek. I'm finishing up my senior year there. We'll be graduating in May. And so thank you uh, for your support to the KBC and to Clare Creek uh, Baptist Bible College. So if you have your copy of God's Word, which I hope that you do, We're going to be in Psalm 32 uh, this evening. So Psalm 32, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11, so the entire chapter of Psalm 32. And while you're turning there, uh, just to give you a little bit of of background, uh, before we come to any text in the Scripture, we always need to kind of look at the background and sort of look at the context before we can get to any sort of interpretation. Um, So Psalm 32 uh, is a psalm that David had written after his sin with Bathsheba. Uh, We're not going to go into details about that, but kind of keep that in the back of your mind because I I think we are all kind of familiar uh, with this story. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we read through the scriptures uh, tonight. So if you found your place there, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. So hear the word of the Lord from Psalm chapter 32. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let us pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be gathered in your house tonight. Lord, um, we are thankful, Lord, for your word. And Father, tonight I pray that you would reveal your word to us. Lord, I pray that you uh, would speak to us tonight through Psalm 32. Father, I pray the words of the Apostle Paul, Lord, that you would increase, Lord, and that I would decrease. And Lord, that your word would go forth. And Lord, we pray, Lord, tonight for revival. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we go through this passage, Lord, I pray that we're reminded of your grace and your love for us. And Father, I pray for great things to happen here at Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Father, uh, we thank you tonight. And Lord, may your presence be among us. And we pray this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. So I want you to imagine for just a moment that David is here in our gathering tonight. So imagine David being here among us, and you hear these words, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. Psalm 32, I would argue, is probably one of the most beloved psalms found within the book. It's one of my favorite psalms. This was actually one of the first passages of Scripture that I ever memorized. So this psalm holds a special place in my heart. In fact, if we do a little more background study on Psalm 32, we find that the Apostle Paul actually quotes this psalm in Romans 4, verses 7 through 8, as part of his argument for salvation by grace alone. So grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. From what we can gather, as we mentioned earlier, David has written the psalm after his confession of his sin with Bathsheba. As we know, this sin involved murder, adultery, and deceit, and deception. In Psalm 51.13, David vowed to share what he had learned from that experience. He vowed to teach transgressors the ways of the Lord. And that is indeed what he is doing here in this psalm tonight. It's always good for us when we come to any psalms to sort of look at the title. So if you notice at the top, it says a mascal of David. This word simply means instruction. So this psalm is a psalm of instruction. David is trying to teach us something. In this psalm, David is giving the believer instructions on how to confess our sins to the Lord and how we can receive the blessing of the forgiven. The title of this message tonight is Blessed Are the Forgiven. As Christians, how we view sin and forgiveness will greatly affect our view of Christ and what Christ did for us on the cross. Sin and forgiveness are a part of every Christian's life, whether we want to believe it or not. Sin is a part of our lives. So what do we do when it raises its ugly head in our lives? Where do we go from here when we find ourselves in the midst of transgressing against the Lord? Well, David is going to teach us tonight how to confess our sins and how to receive the blessing of the forgiven. It was fitting that we sang the song a minute ago. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. God has given us so many blessings, and one of those is forgiveness. The Lord's forgiveness is a great blessing and something I think that we often take for granted. So as we walk through this passage, we're, we're going to make two critical observations with a couple of subpoints in there. So the first observation comes from the text. Is, it is the blessing of the forgiven. The blessing of the forgiven. So notice verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit is no, in whose spirit there is no deceit. So David is gathered with the believers, and he is teaching them what he knows about confession. Again, imagine him here saying, Blessed is the one who is forgiven. In the first two verses, David is singing a, a song of forgiveness. 
of singing a song of joy at the forgiveness of his sins. Notice how David is using the word blessings. Or if you look at the Hebrew word, it, it is literally translated, oh, the blessedness. So this is multiple blessings going on here. Not singular, but plural. He's using the word blessed to describe the forgiven. This is interesting in the fact that the word blessed is only found two times in this section of the Psalms. It's found one time in Psalm, chapter, in Psalm 1, and then twice here in Psalm 32. This is interesting in the fact, well, this is, excuse me, once in Psalm 32, for us to fully understand the blessing of forgiveness, so he's talking about the blessing of forgiveness, we must first understand, I think, the weight of our own sinfulness. So for us to fully understand what a blessing it is to be forgiven from the Lord, to have the Lord's forgiveness, we must first understand the weight of of our own sinfulness. We must first examine our sinful heart. And I think David does this here in these first two verses. So in these first two verses, he has three words here that describe sin. Notice he uses the word transgression. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. What does this word mean? This word means to cross the line and to rebel against God. David had crossed the line with his sin with Bathsheba. He rebelled against God. He knew what rebellion looked like. He crossed that line. You, you think of, of a child. You, they often try to test the waters to see how far they can go and to see how quickly they can cross that line. Transgression means to cross the line. He knew that adultery and murder and deceit were all forbidden, and yet he crossed the line. Secondly, he also uses the word sin. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. What does sin mean? Sin means to miss the mark. He also uses the word iniquity. The word iniquity found in verse 2 means to take God's truth and twist it. To take his truth and twist it into something that it's not. If you remember, David is guilty of all of this, isn't he, with his sin with Bathsheba. He's guilty of all of this and more. And I think if we're truly honest with ourselves, we, we can look in our heart and see in our own hearts where we've rebelled against God, where we have crossed the line. You know, revival isn't just for the people outside of the walls of the church. Revival is for people within the walls of the church. And we must get these basic foundational truths before we can move on in anything. Forgiveness and confession of sin is a basic foundational truth that we must understand before revival can happen within the church. We must understand the importance of confession and forgiveness. And we must understand and acknowledge that sin is still a part of our lives until Christ returns. We live in a world of sin. We're prone to wonder, as the song says. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. How often do we try to cross the line with God? Uh, 
1 John 1.8 says this. It says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth of God is not in us. Every one of us in this room is guilty of crossing the line, is guilty of rebelling against God. I know in my own heart, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of walking away from the Lord. I'm guilty of seeing how far I can go to that line before I can cross it. David had made it there. Charles Spurgeon said that David is a good picture of, of both what not to do and what to do. Until the Lord comes back, sin will be an unfortunate reality for all of us. In this psalm, David is teaching us how to deal with sin when it raises its ugly head in our lives. For us to fully understand the blessing of God's forgiveness, we must acknowledge the sin in our own lives. And we're going to unpack this a little bit more in just a moment as we go through the text and get down to verse 5. But David has given us a picture of the human heart, hasn't he? He's given us a picture of the sinful aspect of the human heart. David is saying, in a sense, in my humanness, my heart is corrupt and it is far from God. Brothers and sisters, we are all prone to wonder. However, God stands, here's the good news. We must first understand the bad news before we can understand the good news. But God stands at the ready to forgive His children. Amen? He stands at the ready to forgive His children. David not only uses three words to describe the human heart, the sinful state of the human heart, he also uses three words here in verses 1 and 2 to describe God's grace. Notice the first word he uses. It says, blessed is the one whose transgression is what? Forgiven. Forgiven means to remove a burden. In David's day, this was pictured by the scapegoat. So a scapegoat was the priest would write your sins down, attach it to the goat, send it off into the wilderness. What does this remind us of? Psalm 103, verse 12. I have cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. God has removed the burden of our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. Second, we notice the word covered. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. When David tried to cover his sins, his schemes did not work as they often don't. And we're going to see this just a moment as this text develops. Now, one thing I love about God's word is we're just getting this out of two verses. We're just in the first two verses. If we had more time tonight, we could spend an eternity in verses 1 and 2. I often uh, joke because most Baptist churches will have a clock back here, so that way the pastor knows when to be quiet. <laughs> and sometimes if I go into church and I don't see that clock, it always gives me a provision to preach as long as I want to, but that's just a side note. But God has covered David's sin. When we try to cover our own sins, our schemes usually don't work. But when we confess our sins to God, they are hidden from sight. They are hidden through the blood of Jesus Christ, never to be seen again. If you have a Bible, uh, as we're kind of thinking through this, turn to Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. Notice... 
what it says. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. When we try to cover our sins, it will only lead us to a road of destruction. But when we confess our sins to the Lord and are covered by the blood of Christ, then and only then will we receive the forgiveness of the Lord. And we'll unpack this a little bit more in just a moment. And number three, notice the third word he uses here, count. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. The word count means to hold a debt. My friends, when, we, when you confess your sins to the Lord, he removes the debt. He removes your sin debt and he places it on Christ. He places it on Christ at the cross. The Lord removes the debt and wipes our record clean. Why? Because Jesus paid the debt you and I owe on the cross. Praise the Lord. So how do we receive this blessing of the forgiven? How does one receive this blessing that David is talking about here? So we're going to see just how David did this. We're going to observe in the next few verses, some practical steps, three practical steps for confessing our transgressions to the Lord. First, the first step that David gives us is David did not keep silent about his sin. Notice verses 3 through 4. Notice what it says. It says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David now begins to tell his own story about dealing with the sin in his own life. From what we can gather in 2 Samuel, David held on to his sin for a better part of a year. He tried to hide it. He tried to, to conceal it. Notice how David says, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. For the better part of the year, the Lord was working in David's life to bring him back to him, to bring him to repentance, and to bring him to forgiveness. The Lord had made David a miserable wreck for over a year to try to bring him back to him. For my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Just like a father disciplines his children, God will discipline the ones who are his. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 7 through 8 says this. It says, for discipline, that it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The reality is God will discipline the ones that he loves. He will discipline his children to bring them back to him. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. The Lord will discipline the ones that he loves. If you are have never experienced God's discipline and you are a believer, you will at some point in your walk with the Lord. You will experience that heavy hand. 
That is a good thing. Take heart when that happens. When the Lord lays his heavy hand upon you and he brings you back to him. But I wanted to give you a word of warning. If you have never experienced God's discipline, you have never trusted in him, you really need to examine your walk with the Lord because he will discipline the ones that he loves. So examine your heart. Examine where you are with the Lord. David, this, when David wrote this psalm, this was not for unbelievers. This psalm is for us as believers. So what happened to David during these difficult months? Well, we start to see that David was a physical wreck. He was believed to be about 50 years old when his, when, during this time when he disobeyed the Lord. Throughout scriptures, David is pictured as this robust warrior, this strong, mighty man who was going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. But God had other plans, and sin had other plans for David. Throughout the scripture, David was pictured as this mighty warrior, ready for action and ready for battle. But now David is in constant pain. His bones are decrepit. He's wasting away through his groaning all day long. For day and night the Lord's hand was heavy upon me. But David wasn't suffering just from physical ailments. David was suffering from a guilty conscience. The Lord was working in David's conscience and heart to bring him back to him. David was asking the questions I think that we all tend to ask. When will I be found out? How long will it be for such and such knows what I did? How long will it be before the Lord knows what I did? My friends, we can't hide our sins from the Lord. You might be able to hide them from other people, but you can't hide them from the Lord. But we have to understand this truth before we can experience the blessing of being forgiven. We have to come to the knowledge that we can't hide our sin. What you do at home or what you do when you leave the four walls of the church, God knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about my life. God was using this to drive David back to him. God will allow his children to experience the heavy hand of his discipline in order that they might come to him in repentance. So after David experienced the heavy hand of God, he then turns and confesses his sin to the Lord. So this is the second step if you're taking notes, is to confess our sins to the Lord. David confessed his sin to the Lord. Notice what it says in verse 5. It says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When the Lord was convincing, convicting David of his sin with Bathsheba, he sent the prophet Nathan to confront him. So what was the result of this confrontation when Nathan come to him and said, hey, brother, we, we need to, to look at this. We need to examine some things. Turn with me real quick to 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, and we'll, we'll get our answer here. So this is Nathan, after Nathan has confronted David. 
And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. As soon as he confessed his sin, it was forgiven. The Lord had taken that burden away from him when he realized when David had, when Nathan had confronted David about his sin. When we sincerely confess our sins to the Lord, he will be faithful and just to forgive us. 1 John 1, 9. When, we, when confessing our sins to God, the burden of our transgression is carried away. It is forgiven. It is cast as far as the east is from the west. And we are covered by the blood of Jesus. When David brought his transgressions to the Lord, he did not hold back. He admitted everything to God. He brought it to the Lord in prayer. He said, Lord, I have messed up. Lord, I am confessing to you. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Do you think David deserved this blessing? No. Do we deserve it? No. In fact, none of us do. But this is a picture of God's grace to us. This is a picture of His patience with us as believers. Confess your sins. Be covered in the blood of Christ. Don't conceal them, but bring them before the Lord, and He will be faithful and just to forgive you. Be covered in the blood of Christ. Now, does this mean this free gift of grace that God has given to us? Does this mean that we can continue in sin? No. Does this mean that we can continue to sin without consequences? No. We sin will always have consequences. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you ever want to pay and keep you longer than you ever want to stay. And there's always consequences. To, to our actions. In fact, we see this in David's story with Amon and Absalom. We won't go into details, but David's sin, even though he was forgiven, there were still consequences to this. God will forgive his children when they repent and turn to him. However, the consequences of our sin will still remain. But confess your transgressions to the Lord and he will forgive the iniquity of of your sins. Thirdly, David worshipped. After the Lord has forgiven him, the Lord now drives him to worship. Notice verses 7 through 8. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. When you're holding on to sin in your life, the last thing you want to do is come to a worship service. The last thing you want to do is to be with God's people. See, that's what sin does. It drives us away from the church, and it drives us away from God's people, when in reality we should be driven towards them. This verse is about discipleship. This chapter in Psalm 32 is about discipleship growing in the Lord. This is important. Confession 
of our sins is important. When we are holding on to sin, the last thing we want to do is come to church on Sunday morning. Sin will cause us to shrink away from God's people. However, when we confess our sins and are restored, it will drive us to worship. Thank God for the blessing of his forgiveness. Notice what the text says. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. That's why it is so important that we gather with worship in worship. Why? Because we are all broken people surrounded by the grace of God. When we come to the worship gathering, we are people encouraging one another, growing one another in the faith, convicting one another, driving one another to repentance. Are you looking toward the blessing of forgiveness tonight? When you sin, do you run to the Lord who is your hiding place? This blessing of God's forgiveness should cause us to worship and give thanks for God's great grace. Forgiveness is indeed a great blessing that God has given to us. However, sometimes I think we take it for granted. May I give you a word of warning tonight? Don't ever take God's forgiveness for granted. This doesn't give us a license to go out and sin and do whatever we want to. In fact, this is the opposite. Notice what Romans 6 verses 1 through 2 says. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, church. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Are you constantly examining your heart? Are you constantly coming to the Lord and confessing your sins? This is not the biggest lie any minister could ever tell you is that repentance is a one and done deal. This is something that we do throughout our lives as Christians. This is where revival starts in our lives as Christians is repenting of our sins and bringing them to the Lord who stands ready to forgive you because of the blood of the cross. Forgiveness is indeed a great blessing that God has given to us. After David had experienced the blessing of being forgiven, he then experiences the joy of obedience to the Lord. We're going to run through this really quickly. In these last four verses, David is speaking to David, assuring him of his restoration As we have already noted, repentance is ongoing in the life of the Christian. Notice these last few verses, 8 through 11. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Through David's example, we've seen a pattern here. We've seen the pattern of confessing our sins, receiving the blessing of forgiveness, and now we are walking in obedience to the Lord. And just what a blessing it is, and what a blessing it is when God forgives his children. Now we come to the last part of this process, and that is obedience. As Christians, we are called to walk in obedience with the Lord. We are called to walk in the freedom that Paul talks about in Romans 6, 7. 
We mentioned this earlier. For one who has died has been set free from sin. God doesn't forgive us just so that we can go back and sin. He has set us free through the blood of Christ. When David committed his sin with Bathsheba, he thought that he was walking in freedom. But he was instead walking as a man who was still enslaved to his sin. When we knowingly walk in rebellion, we act like fools and pay no regard to the grace of God. When God witnessed when God witnessed David's sin, he didn't see him acting as somebody who was free. He saw him acting as an animal. Notice what it says in verses nine through ten. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will stay near you, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Like a horse, David was quickly to commit his sin, and like a mule, he was stubborn to hide it. The only way to control an animal is to break them and harness them. However, God did not want to do this to his servant. Instead, God was going to teach him with his holy eye upon him. He was going to instruct him. God was going to teach David how to walk in obedience through his word. How are we going to know when to confess our sins if we are not even in God's word? We grow through the reading of his word. We repent in order to receive the blessing of forgiveness. We must acknowledge our sin. We must confess our sins to the Lord. We must walk in obedience. And part of that is reading and studying God's word. So we must repent and walk in obedience to the Lord. In verse 11, David ends his psalm with a shout for joy. David is now proclaiming that he has been forgiven and is calling on the worshipers to join him in celebrating this forgiveness. Shout for joy, church, for we have been forgiven through the blood of Christ. And walk in obedience to the Father. How do we receive the blessing of the forgiven? We must first confess our sins and we must walk. And obedience. I want to encourage you, if you're here tonight and you're holding on to sin in your life, and that there's something in your life that you need to bring before the Lord, let this be a time that you do that. God is standing at the ready to forgive you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, He's there to receive you. David was shouting for joy because he's been forgiven. David was a man after God's own heart. Know this church. Christ died for you. He shed his blood for you. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. This is why we don't disregard these Old Testament books. This is the gospel. Brothers and sisters, what sin are you holding on to? Are you holding on to your sin and hoping that it maybe will bring you some joy? that you maybe will find peace and fulfillment in them? Have you forgotten the joy of what it means to be forgiven? This is where revival starts. It starts with confessing our sins to the Lord, being forgiven, and walking in the joy of His forgiveness and the blessing of His forgiveness, because so often we tend to forget what a great privilege we have in the forgiveness of our Lord.
through the blood of Christ. I close with a quote from John MacArthur. He says this, Nothing in the Christian life is more important than forgiveness. Our forgiveness is of others and God's forgiveness of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you would be with us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would remind us what a joy it is and what a blessing it is when you forgive your children. Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself to everyone in this room tonight. And Lord, work in our hearts. And Lord, do a work in us. And Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.